Welcome to Northridge Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. For more information, visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your heart as we dive into God's Word. Amen. You may be seated. Wow. Thank you, guys. Paul told Timothy, he said, you've not been given the spirit of fear, but a power loving of what? And of a sound mind. This idea of fear marries with anxiety. And that sound mind marries with peace. And I want to be very transparent with you for just a moment. About, uh, I don't know, three or four months ago, I was preaching on spiritual warfare. And you may recall that uh, as I prepared that message, man, I felt like I came under the greatest attack uh, in quite some time. And I shared that with you. And just seeing how the enemy just escalated that attack because of what I was preparing to lay before you, God's people, so that you could know and you could be equipped and, and know how to combat it. Today, the same is true. I, uh, I am not, if you know me at all, I know our staff will tell you, I'm not a worrier. I'm not a panicker. I don't have anxiety ever. And I don't take that for granted. I understand that is truly a gift that the Lord gives me in light of maybe a lot of things that we juggle. Now, having said that, sometimes uh, maybe that makes me cavalier about dealing with people who are. Because for me, I'm thinking it can be dealt with in just a matter of moments. You just declare truth, you don't partner with it, and you move on. Well, the song they were singing was talking about prophesying. And there's two kinds of prophecy. Of course, Old Testament prophecy was foretelling a truth that would come. A messianic prophecy, of course, talking about Jesus that would come as a Messiah. We'll see that in just a moment. But then there's a prophesying that Paul talks about to the church at Corinth, which is literally a, a, an idea of forth telling. It's telling forth the truth of God's word. And the way that you combat the lies of the enemy is you speak truth. The Bible says that if a man would know the truth, it would be the truth that would what? It would set him free. And that's what you partner with. And, and again, I understand that some of this may sound like semantics. Like, what do you mean partner with? We're going to talk about that and we're going to dive into it. But what happened to me yesterday, we were on the road, Stephanie and I, we were traveling. I got back uh, yesterday and came home, had a few things to do and get ready for this sermon. Was fine, went to bed and I, I didn't sleep at all. I mean at all. And I'm talking, I wrestled all night long, whether it be in real time, just wrestling with the enemy or I, I don't know what it was. Maybe, maybe there was some uh, dreams that kind of also uh, came into play. Woke up this morning, and what I'd usually do before I go preach is I get up very early on Sunday morning, I get my coffee, and, and I go in, and I sit down, and I kind of just spend my time alone and reflect upon what he has said to me and what he's, if you will, preached to me, and then I'm going to share with you guys. And so usually it's very confident, very sweet time, but this morning I woke up feeling what maybe people who go through this extreme anxiety, my, my heart was about to beat out of my chest. And I literally, and I don't hope this don't sound gross, I felt nauseated. Does anybody know what I'm talking about with anxiety? I mean, it, it literally, I was like a fish out of water. I had never experienced this. Maybe doing, during some trauma in my life, there was some certain degrees of that for sure, but it's just not who I am. Our family and I guess our staff to some degree says that uh, I'm an unrealistic optimist. And be that as it may, I do think it's a little bit more fun to just look at the glass half full rather than half empty. I'd just rather do that. And quite frankly, I'd rather be around other people who do that. People who just see that, hey, you know what? God's been faithful in the past. There's a really good chance he's going to be faithful again. 
that everything he's brought us to, he'll complete it in Christ Jesus. And we can stand on that. We can rest on that. Again, it goes back to knowing the truth and the truth is what sets you free. And if you don't know the truth and you only get the preaching of the word in here or on Wednesday or on some type of devotion, but you're not diving into God's truth, how can you declare truth when the enemy brings you a lie? You can't. And that's where anxiety happens. I also want to acknowledge and say very respectfully, there are many of you in this room, many of you, who has seen major loss in the last couple of years. And that holidays is not merry for everyone. Holidays is not fun for everybody. In fact, it can be the most difficult times in our life because it becomes the first, the first without a parent, the first without a child, the first without a spouse, what have you. So there's that. There's also the hustle and bustle, the spending, the, the stuff, the, the plays, the you know, award ceremony, the amazing concert like we're gonna have tonight, you know, cool things. And we're running crazy. And that creates a degree of stress. And then you couple into that the flu season. And I mean, just on and on and on and on and on. And there's just in general, even the funeral homes will tell you, they, and this sounds kind of morbid, but they do a lot of their business, quite frankly, between Thanksgiving and the 1st of February. Because it's a difficult time. But as I look at that, I, I, I realize that God sent me here today to let each of us know that he does offer the gift of peace. Listen, for all who enter into a personal relationship with him. That's the caveat to this truth. You have to be in a personal relationship with him. It's not something you can just say, hey, I want to get saved and say some prayer and then he can fill me up with salvation and then I get stuff. It's not what it's about. It's about being in relationship. And it's that relationship that feeds us all the different parts of our lives. But as we fast approach what I believe to be the soon return of the Lord, our faith will give way to sight. But today, everybody say today. But today we're driven by faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. We're saved by faith. We are justified through faith, by grace, through faith that we save. We, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. All of these driving forces originates and listen and finishes in our faith. So I want you to stand with me today as we read a text in Isaiah chapter nine. He is the prince of the prophets. He is one of the greatest writers that I love reading in the, in the prophetic world in the Old Testament. And here he gives us a messianic prophecy of this Messiah who would come. And I want you to listen to the phrases, the words, the titles that he states. He says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And well, this next statement would do us well in our culture if we had adhered to it. It says, and the government will be upon his shoulder. The, the word shoulder literally means to be hung around one's neck and it means one who would bear that burden. The way that God has intended our life, our culture, our judicial system, our government, our churches, Jesus said, if I build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, everything is to be hung around his neck. He said, cast your cares upon me. Why? For I care for you. He wants to bear your burdens for you. In fact, he bore them on the cross. Every burden, every sin, every wrongdoing, every mishap, he carried it. Not only died for you, he died as you. And when we read this, he says, hey, by the way, the government, which by the way, is complete mix up. He says, I, I would rather that just be around my neck because I can bear it. And then I'll end with this. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And here's where we're going to hang our hat for just a moment. Prince of Peace. Let's pray.
Lord, I pray that you'd help me to rightly divide your word with truth and power and life-changing consequence. Change us. Change us today. Start with me. In your mighty name I pray and all of God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Amen. I want to take a closer look real quick at that last statement, Prince of Peace, that title. Knowing that the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, will bring into this life a peace that passes understanding. I want to first take a look at anxiety because I believe that to be the antithetical of peace. I'm going to prove to you that if you're a note taker, number one, anxiety only exists in a world where faith is absent. And hear me, this, this is very convoluted if we're not careful. We, we think, well, Mark, I have, I have doubt from time to time. Here's the good news of the gospel. The gospel says that you can have a tremendous amount of doubt. And that's okay. You can doubt that, that, that Noah built an ark in 120 years. You can doubt Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You can doubt that God can save certain people. You can doubt that God can give you 75 chances. You can doubt till the cows come home. But he says this, all I need from you is the seed of mustard seed of faith. That's all I need of you. And I can move a mountain. You see, doubt is not the, the part that breaks us down. It's when fear enters in or anxiety enters in. Because let me tell you something, that's not of God. That's demonic. What I wrote down, and I believe this to be true, is we can have doubt. We can remember that things may or may not happen. But if we allow it to take root, and you heard them say this, if we step into a season where we choose not to trust God, but to listen to the voices of the world, listen to the things that are going on around us, look at our circumstances. Listen, if you are driving your life's comfortability based upon what this world can offer you right now, then you today are incredibly anxious because it offers you no hope. I mean, there's things wrong with the election. There's things wrong with the economy. There's things wrong overseas. There's things wrong in our military. There's things wrong in the church. There's things wrong in your home. But listen, I believe with all of my heart that faith, true faith is the substance of things hoped for when the evidence of things not seen. Meaning all things can be completely contrary, but if I step into agreement with him and I realize, I was telling David backstage, do you know he's never failed me? He's never let me down. He's never brought me to a point and says, okay, buddy, good luck. He's always bringing me to the end of myself and that's where my faith begins. And so what I believe to be true is that anxiety exists only in a world absent from faith. Listen to the Proverbs, the wisest man to ever live. Listen to what he says in Proverbs chapter three. But don't go straight to verse five, which we usually do. I'm gonna start in verses one through two. He says, my son, don't forget my law, but let your hearts keep my commands. Now keep in mind, when we read that from a New Testament, New Covenant position, he's really talking about his word. His word that he holds above his own name. So we see that he's saying, he said, my son, don't forget the word that I have laid before you. Listen. For length of days and long life and peace, they, the word, will add to you. He's saying, I'm going to give you that anyway. In fact, I, I said in the first service, I don't know where I placed this, but I'll throw it in here now. If you think that you can do better with your life than what God wants to do in and through you, you're sadly mistaken. And that's where part of the problem is, is our anxiety is that it's not happening the way we think it ought to happen. When in fact, he's saying, I don't, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. You don't let me align with you. You need to align with me. 
Because guess what? I came that you may have life, but not just have it mediocre. I came that you may have life, what? More abundantly. Eye has not seen nor ears heard, nor has even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. And if you hang your hat on that only as a message for heaven, you're missing one of the greatest promises of right now. That he wants to give you that life now. But listen, here's what happens. But then the enemy throws in his two cents worth. He throws in doubt. He throws in fear. He throws in Anything lacking a sound mind. But then we have to go back to truth. Listen to what it says. Just three verses down in verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Look at the text. It says, don't depend on your own understanding, but seek his will in all that you do. And he says, and I'll show you the path to take. I mean, how much greater I'm gonna give you, he says in verses one and two, I'm gonna give you peace. I'm gonna give you longer days. He said, and by the way, don't follow your own thoughts of how this thing should turn out. Don't lean into your own understanding, but acknowledge me, seek my will first. That's what he says about taking thought for tomorrow, isn't it? Take thought for tomorrow. Don't worry about what you'll wear, what you'll eat, or even where you'll lay your head, but Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And guess what? All these other things I'm going to add to you anyway. You have to worry about them. Secondly, if you're a note taker, anxiety is a spiritual condition. I'm going to lead in easy to that statement. So let that marinate for a moment. Anxiety is not a medical condition. When I was a kid, this is true. I say if you're 50 and above, you never heard any kind of denotion of letters upon your life. You didn't know you were ADHD or ADD. Listen, I was probably all those letters coming up. My mom's over there saying, praise the Lord. Preach it, boy. Right, Greg? I mean, that's what we were. We were off the charts. We were, I mean, we were all, all these things. I mean, I could tear up a rock when I was a kid. I mean, Jack playing till uh, mom and them had a little thing that said, look, go out and play. Just, I mean, we just left. We just left the house. We didn't come in for water. We drank out of the hose pipe. We rode bicycle with metal spikes on the bottom. I mean, that would, if you did miss, miss pedal, it'd rip your shin open. But it was good days, right? Mom and dad's like, here's a chainsaw. Go cut something down. You know, I mean, you don't do that anymore. We're so worried about these kids now. Listen, we've enabled them. The truth of the matter is, is life is tough. Life is difficult. It's not going to be easy. It is not always going to be fun. Sometimes you need to drink out of the hose pipe. Because let me tell you something. If we protect them and think that everything's, make sure everything's okay for little Johnny. Don't want Johnny to have a tough time at school. Let me tell you something. They didn't call it that when we were kids. You didn't go to the principal's office because you were over anxious and your ADD was kicking in and you had to, listen, I'm not being cynical about this if your moms and dads are dealing with this. But here's what I want to tell you. The truth is, is this is not a mental condition condition purely. It is a spiritual spiritual condition. And watch this. And it's purely demonic. Demonic. Some of y'all like, don't necessarily agree. Listen, that's fine. But here's what I want to lay before you. The enemy's attack is in your heart and your mind, and it originates with deception. Here's what he does. What if you don't make it? What if he don't like you? What if she don't say yes to the prom date request? 
What if you don't get that job? Hey, let's, let's make it spiritual. What if God don't show up? Now see, here's what happens. You carry that what if around and that turns into anxiety. But when you get into God's word and you realize that anxiety can only disappear, listen to me, when you offer yourself in complete surrender into the transformative relationship with Jesus Christ and you allow your what if to become even if. Here's what you do. Even if she don't say yes. Can I tell you something? Some of y'all are in good shape today because she didn't say yes to your date request. Look at the one next to you and say, God, I'm glad I married you, girl. Sometimes God says no, and that's not the worst thing that can happen. Sometimes God said no because he knows that she may be sweet, kind, and fine right now, but guess what? She's not gonna be that in the future. I'm gonna send you another one, and she's gonna be the one that's gonna walk with you when you're not so smart, sir. Here's what I believe. Even if, can I be real with you for a minute? Brent and I had this conversation the other day. What do you do when a loved one is on a deathbed? What if they don't make it? What if the surgery don't work? I get that. Those are real statements. But just like Brent did and his family did, and let me tell you what you have to do. You have no choice in the matter unless you partner with the enemy's lies. Hey, she's better today. She's not out of the woods, but she's better today. So here's what you could say to alleviate yourself from all the anxiety and turmoil that you're gonna carry with the what if. And say, instead of saying, what if they don't do well? You say, even if they don't come through it, I'm believing that they're in heaven. I'm gonna praise you anyway. Hey, it doesn't fix every one of the situations, but you can't fix it anyway. So you get to choose the path that you take with that, realizing Hey, go ahead and look to your neighbor and say, this might sting a little. If the person next to you has their arms folded out, they really need to hear this. Realizing you have no control over life can give you the greatest liberty to know that God is fully in control. Which brings me to number three, if you're a note taker. Crushing anxiety comes down to one thing, trusting God fully. Becoming less, oh, here it is. Becoming less of a control freak will be the greatest thing you ever did because you can't control it anyway. All right, let's do this. Let's play along. How many of you guys are control freaks? Some of y'all that are not raising your hand, I know you personally, And because your hand is not up, it's proof that you are a control freak. My staff will tell you that that probably is something that I wrestle with, but I do it under the banner of, come on somebody, taking care of things, handling my business. But but, hey, let me say this to you though. In 19, I tried just being a good steward, guys, just fall in line. You can call it what you will, but you know if you're a control freak. And if you set out your life as a control freak, I made this statement, and I'm gonna read it because I, I think it needs to be perfectly executed. So I want you to hear it. If you're with me, say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do I have the faith it takes to surrender 
to, to Jesus or must I make a greater urge to attempt to control my future and align my circumstances into a place where I'm comfortable? Can you fully surrender to Jesus and his will for your life or must you rather wrestle to fulfill a greater urge to try to align everything into its perfect place? Here's why that's an issue. You don't know what tomorrow holds. So to establish a front, and listen, I admit to you, there's a war going on within you if that's your personality. And, and, and there's urges. And listen, a lot of us are that way because our parents were that way. We saw our parents worry and freak out and panic. So we take that as that generational curse, if you will, to where we apply it to everything in our life. And guess what? Worrying about everything has changed nothing. It's only made you and the people around you miserable. And, and what, I, what I believe to be true is, is that we have to wrestle. Paul talked about this natural man, the flesh, and the spiritual man, which is God-inhabited, God-breathed, God-ordained. And the God-man says, even if, I'm going to praise you. The natural man says, what if, and tries to orchestrate all the decisions to work out in such a manner that he or she becomes comfortable. But be mindful of this. And I've said this now for four or five different weeks over the, I mean, times over the last few weeks. Jesus did not die for you and me to be comfortable. He died and he came to confront your sin and to confront a broken society. See, the people in the day in which Jesus came they thought that he was coming to rescue them from Rome. But he was really coming to rescue them from themselves. Because we're the ones, it's not Rome. It's not your president. It's not your mayor. It's not your, we have a good mayor. I'm just throwing out. It's not, it's, it's not if you're an LSU fan. You know, it's not stuff like that. Sorry, I was a little, sorry about that. Lord, forgive me, that was wrong. But coming in as the band comes, coming into a false hope. Oh gosh, this one, this one needs to be said. Hey, hey, there's two things I want to offer you. If anxiety is spiritual and not physically mental, medical, then it also is attached to a personality of demonic warfare. Let, let, me, let me explain. If you are dealing with lust and that is your Achilles heel, don't just flippantly throw it out there and think you can pray out into the atmosphere and think that you're doing any damage to that personal demonic spirit that has a name. He's called the spirit of lust. Let me, let me explain to you why that is. If Lee and I have a problem and we're dealing with something pretty big, I'm not gonna go and call Brent and fuss him out because of something that Lee and I are dealing with. I'm not going to do what we often can do, which is if I'm upset with Lee and the offense with Lee and, and I take it out on all of you, that's only going to push all of you away and it's not going to land. Guys, the same is true in the spiritual realm. If you're dealing with a spirit of anxiety, you need to call out a personality, the spiritual demon of anxiety. It has a face, it has a name. Listen, there's two different dynamics in spiritual warfare. There's fallen angels. Angels were meant to be 
God's messengers. When a third of them fell from heaven and followed Satan, they became fallen angels. They can manifest themselves. They can, they can be people that, the Bible says we entertain angel, how? Unaware. So there's spiritual warfare going on in that capacity. But then there's a, a, a demonic spirit Okay, and, and that is very big and it's very entertaining. Here's why I want to offer you the other side of that. I don't, I, let this fall where it falls, but I want to say it boldly. That's why it's important that you don't do one of the gravest errors you can do when you're trying to navigate this thing called spiritual warfare. If somebody comes to you and says, look, what you need to do here is follow your own heart. Just, just, just follow your gut. Just, just really sense what you're supposed to do for you. You know, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. If it were okay for us to follow our own heart, we wouldn't need Jesus. It's your heart that's gotten you where you are in the first place. Because your heart is contaminated by the natural man. It's sinful, deceitful. It will deceive you. you. You can have a heart move in a moment and think you're supposed to do something, Rachel, and that has not come from God. But in the same token, uh, and this has happened to me before, I'll just use it this way. The Holy Spirit moves you and says, give that person $100 or whatever it may be. And that may go against the grain of your heart or your inhibition or your gut. But you do it. It's called grace giving. That's what Paul called it. And God will do something big with it. Not only from the seed that's planted, but also on the return side of it. And I'm not suggesting that you give to get, but rather you get to give. You get to be a part of what God's doing. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, if you're obedient to the spirit of God in you and that nudging, he will do what he said he will do. Amen. However, this, is, this may sting too. If you give because you want to be seen and you want to be heard and you want that handshake on Facebook to show what you did, the Bible says there's your reward. You just simply lost $100. And I can marry that to anxiety. Parents, where are you at? Where are you at, parents? If you raise your children to have one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus, you're living a divided allegiance, as James calls it. It's not going to work. You serve either one or the other. Right? Here's the thing that's not popular. That's not popular. But he even says that to caveat that. He says, if you want popularity with men, you put enmity between you and God. What shall it profit? He even says, a, a man shall gain the whole world. Yet he loses his own soul. You got to raise your kids and your grandchildren to be different. Oh, there's never been a greater time to raise your children to stand alone in Christ and to stand for something that's eternal. 
I know mamas and daddies that have, have been moved or nudged to homeschool and people are calling you an idiot because you're pulling your kid aside and you're sheltering them and this and that and the other. You, you got to know what God's calling you to do as a parent and you got to do it and you got to stick to it. But if you raise them to have a foot in the world and a foot in the church, and I say church, I don't mean Northridge, I mean the church of Jesus Christ, the body then you're causing them, listen, to enter into a life of the greatest of anxiety. Here's why I believe that. Because they don't know which one to do. They don't know which one to fulfill. Because there's a tugging on our students. It's not, again, take this for what it's worth. It's not enough to just say, hey, I I now, not me, y'all don't don't take this sound bite out of context. But if, if someone were to say, hey, I now identify as a woman but yet I am biologically a man. You know what? That's between you and the Lord. But here's where it gets sticky in our world. You can identify however you want to, but don't ask me to play alone. Because I'm not going to partner with that. We can argue, we can say what we want to say about marriages and, 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 and what it can be and what the world says it can be. But let me tell you something. I don't have to partner with it. I know what God said and that is what it is. And it's established, it's done. That wasn't even in my message, but let me give you this last thing. Let me give you this last thing. I'm not gonna finish today. John 13, uh, 16, 33 says, these things have I spoken to you so that in this life you may have peace. Did you hear that? He wants peace for you. He wants you to have Peace. But in this world, you will have trouble. But be a good cheer, for I've overcome the world. So I made this statement. I'm almost done. So if I don't have a sound mind and one of peace, then I'm not receiving what God is giving. He says, I'm not giving you the spirit of fear, but I've given you power, love, and a sound mind. So if I receive anything opposite from that, then I am not receiving what God is giving. I am simply outside of the will of my maker and my redeemer when I'm receiving fear and therefore it is evil and it is sinful. See, you you can no longer hide behind, well, I just have anxiety. No, no, no. You have decided to partner with the enemy's lies rather than believe God who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Now, here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do today. This is only one thing we'll take away. Do you know, and I learned this, how many of you guys served in the military? Guys and gals. The first thing we learned about first aid is to prevent shock. Listen, I'm going somewhere. God gave me this. This is incredible. It's to prevent shock. And here's how you do it. If you don't know and you've ever taken a military class, here's how you do it. And I say this respectfully, but even if a person is not gonna make it, it'll do you well to prevent shock. Because a person who is in shock can hurt other people. There's an overflow. Not only that, wouldn't it be the greatest gift you could give someone that's leaving this life is to give them the last few moments in peace? If you're a believer, maybe 
bend down a knee and tell them about Jesus, pray with them before they die, but you know they're not gonna make it? Do you know people who come into the ER, they do the same thing? The first thing they do is, hey, just breathe. Just breathe, you're gonna be okay. What do you do do with your little ones when they are freaking out because they got stung by a hornet and they think they are dying? And you just say, just just breathe. Or if you like, when I was a kid, you get your grandmother to take brute and snuff and wipe it on. I still don't know why we did that. But you want to calm. So I found out this in survival school. This is what they tell you. It's called box breathing. It was actually started by one of the guys who was a precursor to the Navy SEALs and also from a British Special Forces. This is what he said. He said, if we would just breathe in a four count breath and breathe out a six count breath four times, do you know your heart rate comes into equilibrium? Listen, do do it with me. Don't don't believe me. Some of y'all are so anxious already, right? You're like, but listen, breathe in, go. Breathe in four second count, breathe in. That's hard to do in itself, right? Do it again. Let that one out. (laughs) So we all like, all right, bring it back. Now breathe in. Breathe in a four second count, truly. Everybody do it. Now breathe out six seconds. Breathe out. Do it again. Breathe out. Truthfully, I already feel better. It changes you. Just breathe. Look to your neighbor and say, just breathe. Now, let me tell you why. Oh my goodness, God showed me this. Listen, when he created everything, it was created ex nihilo. It was God breathed. He said, let there be light. And there was light. Let there be the stars in the heaven, and there was. Let there be the firmament to separate the one from the bottom and the top. Let there be the light to shine by day in them. You get it, right? On the sixth day, however, oh, he broke form. He took man of the dust of the earth, because that's all you are. But then he put his mouth to his nostrils. He did something unique, and he breathed in him his breath he became a living soul. And see, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. The Holy Spirit is known as breath. The the Bible says in Acts that when Jesus presented himself to them after the resurrection, listen, listen, he breathed on them and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. He breathed on them and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. The word of God that you have before you that is above his own name, 2 Timothy 3 and 16, was all scripture was God breathed. Let me leave you with this. If anxiety is ruling over you, just breathe. Here's why. Here's what I believe. Here's what God showed me. Challenge me if you will, but I'm gonna tell you it liberated me this morning. When I breathe in and breathe out, I align myself with his breathing in me. I I come in tandem, I come in agreement. Because, you say, Mark, how do you see that? Because every air, every breath you take, inhale and exhale, is a gift of God. 
for if at any moment he takes that from you, your time here is over. So if I breathe in, I'm breathing in his gift of grace. I breathe out the gift of mercy. If I breathe in the gift of love, I breathe out to abolish hatred. If I breathe in the gift of life, I breathe out to give others life. It's an operational change. You breathe in panic, you breathe out distress. You breathe in fear, you breathe out anxiety. What if, just what if, just try me. What if it could all change just by the way you breathe and trust in him, aligning with him. Say this, say, Satan, you're a liar. Jesus, you are truth. And it's the truth that's gonna set me free. Let's bow our heads. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe there's somebody in this room today that doesn't know Jesus. I, uh, wow, I, I would pray that this would be your moment, that maybe he's already breathed on you a truth that says you need me. So just pray from your heart to God right now from right where you sit. Just say, dear Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I trust you. I'm applying my faith and I'm asking you by your grace to save me. Forgive me of all my sin. Help me to live for you until the day you call me home. I'm inviting you to be Lord over all my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, if you pray that prayer today in faith, would you right now boldly lift your hand? Mark, I pray. God bless you and 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 you. Seven or eight people. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hey, listen, y'all look at me. If you prayed and you asked Jesus Christ into your heart, it's the greatest decision you've ever made and nothing can change that. The first part of anxiety you're gonna ever have is when you walk out of this building, the enemy's gonna say, that wasn't real. That's the lie. Truth is, to whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. You combat truth with a lie and you will live a victorious life. I want you to look right in front of you if you prayed and you invited Jesus in your heart and I want you to fill out this card right now and give that to me before you leave today because I wanna help you navigate this next few days and weeks of your life. How many of you can say, Mark, I want to come out of my anxiety. I want you to pray for me. Would you lift your hand up boldly? Everybody's looking. Hey, my hand's up. I had it this morning. I'm with you. Praise the Lord. Everyone's standing to your feet. Look in front of you and grab one of those legacy campaign cards if the Lord has led you to do that. You can uh, fill it out fully. To make a pledge, you can put your money in there to sponsor a brick. Each brick is $600. You can do it over the next year, two years. You can put all that on that envelope. And uh, Pastor David will be connecting with you shortly on helping you and get your inscription of what you want on your card. But if you've already given at the office or some means online, I want you to just still write your name on there and say, I gave online or I gave at the office or I previously given. And I still want you to write that down so you can bring it down here. Here's what I want you to do. There's several things about to happen. If you gave your life to Jesus, bring me that. Show me, tell me. If you wanna be a part of our church, part of our fellowship, man, we'd be honored to have you as part of our family. If you wanna rededicate your life. But what I do want you to do is if you're family and you've filled this out today, I want you to come. He's gonna sing a beautiful song. I love this song. And lay them down here across the stage. 
We had them all across the stage in our first service. And we're just going to hang out here and we're going to pray that God will have his will as we navigate this next season of of a campaign. So whatever God's calling you to do, y'all come. Families, if you're going to bring those down, come on and bring those down. Lay them on the stage. If you want to join our church, if any decision you want to make, you can just bring it and just hang out right here and I'm going to pray for us. Just Cause it's a miracle we can come on down and gather around the stage with me and let's believe God. Some of you I know are still praying. Some of you are going to make decisions later and that's totally fine, but we want to collectively join our hearts together and and uh, maybe it's anxiety that you come today with to pray about. We're going to pray over that as well and pray over our children, pray over our nation. So just join us today. Come down and join us as we pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for truth that combats every lie the enemy should bring against us. He is the father of all lies, but you are the God of all truth. We thank you today for these envelopes that represent decisions and grace giving and families that are praying about sowing into the termination of our debt over the next two years. People that are still praying, God, we know this is a personal decision and a personal uh, trip that we must take in this thing we call faith. God, to motivate us to do your will. We want to be sensitive to every dollar that's given, God, that it may go into terminating our debt so that we may be extending uh, giving to our community and to other churches that may be experiencing financial difficulty. We're going to show extreme giving in that first year coming out of debt freedom. And we appeal that to you, God. We love you. We praise you. It's all for your name and all for your will, Jesus, so that you may be made famous to the ends of the earth. In your mighty name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Y'all give the Lord a hand. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for joining us today at Northridge Church. We hope today's message inspired you in your walk with God. We hope you take your next step by connecting with us online at northridgethomaston.com.